The next one is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And a loud voice, we're all going to read it together. At the count of three, one, two, three. Temptations in your life are not different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the
as we recently had, and they focus on the why. We begin to struggle with things like that. Oh, we begin to struggle with the fact that God, where are you? You know what I mean? Listen, I got to explain something to you. You have to understand. God loves providing for you. I mean, that is his nature. He loves providing for you. And I want to do the end before the beginning so that at the bottom of your sermon, I have three words which says provision, power, and providence. Right next to the word provision, I want you to write down, he will. He will always provide for you when the time that he decides is right. I have found that in my own personal life, there have been times where I've asked him for something and it's come and I've forgotten it. I get caught up in what he has provided rather than the fact that he was in that provided it. Where it says power, he is able. He is able. And his providence, he knows. That there is nothing that's happening in your life, in my life, that he does not know about. And it's important for us to realize because even in the in Exodus, when they began to cry out to God, there were three words that he told Moses. In fact, he told Moses these three statements. He said, I see, I hear, and I am concerned. That's why he raised up Moses so that he can go back to that place where the people were crying out, where God was seeing the afflictions of his people. He said, I am concerned for them. And I have to tell you, God is concerned about you as well. So if you find yourself in biblical transitions, just know that God is present. And what you have to do is be able to rest in his presence and realize that he wants nothing more than to provide and God's arm is not short that, that he cannot help you wherever you find yourself in. And that's, that's a profound statement that sometimes we think, oh, God is so business. I believe that. I, I grew up believing that God is a punishing God. I believe that God didn't want nothing to do with me. And why would he want to help me? There were bigger things to take care of in this world than little old me. But imagine that the God who cast the stars into the heavens cares about you. The God that keeps everything in place cares about you and me. And I don't know where you find yourself today. But like I said, transitions happen even without your invitation. They do. There are transitions that take place in our lives regularly. All the time. Whether it's in, in, in our relationships, whether it's in our finances, whether it's having to move or relocate, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's illness, whether it's having to leave a past life to embrace a new life. These are all transitions in which God is present and because he is a God of movement, he will see it through. That's, that's the beauty of the gospel, that God didn't just show up to introduce himself and then walk away. That he introduces himself so that a relationship can be established. And in this relationship, as we establish this relationship, we begin to grow in this process. 
And we begin to realize that God is so present. So in the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about certain topics that we need to know in these difficult transitions. The first one, obviously, is God's provision. For us to realize that we're no longer alone, and that's the heart of God, that God wants to provide for us. The other one is this part about discipline that a lot of us frown about. And, and there's this redemptive pain that we have to talk about. There is this pain that God allows us to go through to rescue our future. I'm going to say that again. There is some pain you got to go through now so that he can rescue your future. Because he knows your future and he knows that unless he gets you to realize that this life, this attitude, this behavior is not conducive to who you're supposed to be, you're going to carry that into every relationship, every environment, every moment, and you're going to ruin what he's trying to do. So God's not going to let you do that. So there's redemptive pain. When I say redemptive, it redeems us. It squeezes us. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. All right? Now some of you, I don't know. I don't know. Some of you are running for punishment. You guys pursue it. You know, you're not, I don't understand that. But I, I personally don't like pain. But I've learned something about pain. It has a way of getting my attention. It has a way of getting me to, to look up. For some of us, we, we reach for the medicine cabinet. For us, we throw ourselves into arms of people that are not prepared to soothe our pain. On the contrary, they bring more pain into our lives than we need. And I think it's important for us to realize the Bible is so profound. What I love about our Bible, God's Word, is it doesn't neglect to show us the mighty men of the Bible who have gone through similar situations. And I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible that you probably have heard of. His name is Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 19 in the Keeping Notes. And I hope you do to help you through and to study. Uh, I want to explain that you have to be able to stay in the Word because preachers will come and go. But the Word of God will stay forever. So you need to be carrying your Bible, opening your Bible, looking at your Bible on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. Now, the story of Elijah, I want to give you the backstory of this so that you can kind of understand what's going on here. Uh, Elijah is a prophet, and you understand what a prophet is. Uh, a prophet is not someone who speaks what they want to speak. A prophet is someone who speaks what God speaks into them. And all the time, the prophet does not escape what God is speaking. Well, whatever is going to happen, the prophet is going to have to go through it as well. And at this particular time, there was a king and a queen, and you guys know these names, Ahab and Jezebel. A lot of you... Jezebel here by Jezebel and stuff like that. And by the way, you kind of bug out about it. Okay? But she was only doing what she knew how to do. Nobody want to hear it. Let me say that again. She was only doing what she knew how to do. She didn't know any better. And that's what I'm talking about change. And until you change, then there are names and labels that are attached to you. And until you begin to change, and I'm not talking about change just for change's sake, I'm talking about the change that God wants to affect in us. 
And I think he wants to do is he wants to clean us up and then put us on display. Yeah. So that the world will see that he is alive and well. And then we can have a conversation about what happened to us. I, I don't know about you, but I've had people ask me, you're not the same. And I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm not the same. And you should be grateful I'm not the same. <laughs> right? I, I still have some rough edges. We're working around you. We're chipping away. That's what God does in the workshop. He continues to chip away and peel back those layers of our lives and he'll line up with the word of God. Amen? Amen. And these Ahab was the king and Jezebel was his queen. And what they began to do is they rejected God and they embraced their own God and began to erect these idols. And we know what idols are, right? Idols are those things that take the place of God. And they're not statues. It's that relationship you can be in. It's your finances, it's your car, it's your house, it can be your children, it can be anything you put before God. And then you begin to bow down to it. He says, well, I don't bow down to my husband. Maybe you should. Hallelujah. I'll pull that one back. But, but it's, in essence, we have to begin to understand that idols rob us of our relationship with God. And they had the Jezebel began to get involved in these things. And, and of course, Elijah is the prophet. Elijah shows up. And Elijah begins to confront what they're doing. And there's a powerful scene in the scriptures that talk about what happened that day. And I wish you would read the story because in chapter 18 and in chapter 19 and chapter 20, it begins this whole movement where uh, Elijah challenges the prophet's gods, small g. Now, what these kings did and what these queens did who were not serving God, they surrounded themselves with yes-men. People who will co-sign their stuff. Come on now. People who would say, yes, you're wonderful. Yes, you're great. Yes, you're fantastic. That is a lie from the pit of hell. People who are trying to rub upon you want something from you. And you need to be aware of these relationships. And what gets me sometimes is there's something inside you that likes There's something inside you that likes to be uh, validated by people or by things. You, you, you just like being uh, the, the, the center of attention. We, we see that in people. You know, you ever watch people walk by shiny glass doors on Fifth Avenue? They're not looking at the island. <laughs> <laughs> what are they looking at? There you go. Narcissism is a crazy thing, isn't it? But Elijah then begins to challenge prophets, and what happens is there is this confrontation on this hill in which uh, he tells, go get all your prophets and let's go to this hill and let's, you know, let's get this challenge going. And what happens is, you know, they, they wet the ground and they, they do all kinds of stuff and they're offering and they put all kinds of things. He says, okay, now I want you to tell your prophets to call down fire. And whatever God consumes the, this offering, that's the one true God. And what happens is that the prophets of Ahab and Jezebel, according to the scriptures, it's not just 450, it's over 900, I guess, right? 450 and 450 from both. And they begin to cry out to their gods and exhaust themselves. 
they're ripping and they're throwing themselves down and you see Elijah <gasps> where's your God listen to me this is something you have to put in your spiritual capsule when you find yourself in difficult transitions only the God of heaven and earth is the one that can rescue Amen. The idols that we have, the people around us that say yes to everything, will leave us when things get difficult. People who are married in this room, review your vows. Take a look at what it says. It says, for better or worse. For better or worse. Remove the exit signs from your relationship. And begin to realize that you took vows and you spent a lot of money on your wedding, by the way. Food wasn't that good, but at least honor your vows. At least honor your vows. Because in the midst of everything that goes on, God is faithful to what he has set forth. Amen. And I want to encourage you in that respect. So what happens is Elijah then calls out to God and God shows up and consumes the offering. Very powerful moment. A high point in his ministry. A high point in his life. Like many of us, before we get into a difficult transition, it seems that everything is going right. Everything is just, you know, just everything peaches and cream and everything's just going good. Then all of a sudden, they a bump in the road. And we start descending into this place that sometimes we call a valley. But I gotta tell you something, things grow in the valley. There is provision in the valley. And the God that was here when you were feeling good is the same God that's here when you're not feeling that good. You just got to find him. Over here, there's plenty. But over here, you might have to move some sand and look at the cactus and look at that rattlesnake as a meal rather than something that's going to poison you. It's important for us to understand God is always providing for our needs. And I don't know where you are today. I know where I am today. I'm in that place of difficult transition. I'm in that place where I'm saying, God, I need you more today than I need you yesterday. I don't know what's next, this uncertainty of future. But here's what I want to discover. The only thing I know about God is found in his word. And I want to encourage you to make that your daily bread. Stay in God's word because he reveals himself through his word. Because this miracle that goes on, if you understand the God of the Bible, then you understand that he is not done yet. He is not done yet. That he has started something in you. That he didn't take you out of darkness and bring you into the light. He didn't take you out of that miserable situation to put you into another miserable situation. That's you. That's you. You pulled that. That's why some of us still keep dating the same crazy people. <laughs> That's why we still can't manage our money. We haven't learned the lesson of that. And we have to learn from our mistakes. That's where this redemptive pain comes in. Some of us, you know, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And we know what that is. How do you see that? We, we know it. We wear t-shirts. We know it's insanity. That means I'm insane. That's not a good label to have. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that a lot of us a spiritually defect. There's a defect in us. And the defect is that we make him our Savior, but not our Lord. 
And that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? That, that we say, he is my savior, but I'm still doing me. He is my savior, but I'm still going that direction. And because he's so wonderful, he'll forgive me. See, grace is not limiting for us to move away from God. Every scene in the Bible, it's not that they moved away. They sincerely rejected God. They rejected His way. When you go off and do your own thing, you're rejecting God. And I don't know about you, but rejection is not a good thing. This doesn't feel good. I don't know about any of you have been rejected. I and it just doesn't feel good. It, it attaches this, this whole feeling of worth and value. And that's not enough. When we reject God, we're saying to God, you're not enough. She's enough. It's enough. That's enough. So, so Elijah finds himself in this situation, and this is where we pick up. Because after that happens, Jezebel hooks out a warrant for his death. High moment, difficult transition. Now Elijah flees, and every time we flee, we go into this cave, don't we? And we have this spiritual cave that we go into, don't we? These dark places where we begin to act out. Right? I got to tell you something. No matter where you go, God is there before you. No matter what's going on in your life, God has already put a seal upon you. He's not giving up on you. I don't care what you do, God still loves you. Amen. See, it's not predicated on how good you are or how much you love Him. He loves you. He came down Himself into this place and gave us the greatest provision we will ever have. He gave Himself. 